0: My guest today is Martin Barth. Martin is the CEO and co-founder of Ecoligo. Ecoligo is a company based out of Berlin, Germany, that delivers solar energy solutions to companies in emerging markets, financed by retail investors in Germany, Switzerland, and in Austria. Their solution helps accelerate solar adoption in countries such as Kenya, Nigeria, Chile, or the Philippines, across Africa, Latin America, and Southeast Asia. They have deployed about 30 million euros in solar projects to date, raising capital from more than 4,000 retail investors and saving more than 1 million tons of CO2 by replacing traditional energy sources. We meet with Martin to talk about the drivers of solar adoption by companies in emerging countries, what leads people like you and I to fund solar projects and the return they can expect, and how Ecoligo makes money in all of this. A mechanical engineer by training with a passion for tackling climate change, Martin started Ecolico seven years ago. The company recently raised a $10 million Series A round. I hope you enjoy my discussion with Martin. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Nathan Pomart and this is Luz, the Climate Tech Podcast. Every week, we interview a founder and explore the stories, ideas, innovations, and businesses behind some of the most inspiring climate tech companies that have a tangible, positive impact on our planet. This show is designed to help you learn, instigate optimism, and inspire further action towards addressing the climate change challenge that we face as a global community. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or investor interested in learning more about the climate tech space and how you can play a part in it, this show is for you. Martin, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I think we're gonna have a great conversation. It's, it's one thing to build solar panels. It's another thing to actually accelerate their adoption on the fields. And that's where you come in with Ecoligo. You help companies do this in, in multiple countries across the world. So I'm quite excited to dive into it. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me and a pleasure to talk about Ecoligo.
0: Um, can you tell us about your journey and how you, how you started Ecoligo?
1: Yeah, the journey actually started uh, a few years before the actual foundation of the company. And I met my co-founder Marcus at a conference in Nairobi, in Kenya, uh, talking about solar systems and how they could be beneficial for commercial and industrial customers, especially in emerging markets. And Marcus and I basically met over uh, a drink at the pool and we started discussing. And back then he was actually involved with uh, GIZ, the German Development Corporation, and I was working for a private solar developer. And for two years in our positions back then, we tried to develop solar projects in emerging markets. And as an electrical engineer, I always thought, you know, if you bring the best technology, the most advanced solution, customers will basically just you know, go for it and and decide to get a solar system. But actually, we learned over the two years that especially in emerging markets, there's a finance gap and customers, even though they see the clear benefit of a solar system, just don't have the capital to invest into a solar system for their business and help reduce energy costs. And now you might say, okay, that's not too much of an issue. Just go to your bank and you get a loan. But in emerging markets, the financial markets are actually not as well functioning as we are known to it here in Germany or in Europe. And basically it means that, you know, getting a loan for a solar system is oftentimes rejected by the bank, but also even if it is approved comes at a really high interest rate of, you know, 15 or 20% per year. And you need to repay the loan within three years. So basically businesses that are already facing The more challenging environment of being in an emerging market have basically no option to go for solar and marcus and i realized that and thought okay if we can solve this financing puzzle piece that was missing we really think that the adoption of solar system can can, can speed up in these markets and what we realized back then was at the same time that we were trying to build these projects and we were not getting the capital to, uh, to invest in them. We saw that in Germany, many of our friends and family were uh, talking with us about sustainable investments and how they could use their capital to maybe invest in an ESG fund or um, you know, in, in, into some more sustainable things. And that's when it really made click, you know, in our minds and when we realized, hey, if we can combine the two, if we can actually take finance from people that are willing to invest in something with impact, in something sustainable. And if we can manage to get the funds and with that invest into solar systems, we could overcome the issue that our customers are facing. And um, yeah, for for two years, we were discussing this problem and and, uh, talking about starting a company until at one point we really just sat down and started to write a business plan. And um, with that... You know, we were convinced that we we're onto something. We handed it in uh, in multiple uh, competitions, business plan competitions. We got really good feedback on the business plan. And at some point we got accepted into the first accelerator program, which was Climate Kick. Um, and with that, we basically left our jobs and, and focused full times on, uh, on setting up Ecolego.
0: And today you are in 11 countries. Um, You've you've financed projects in 11 countries, so can you tell us a bit about which countries those are and how did you end up supporting projects there?
1: When we started, um, I actually moved for the business to Ghana and uh, we were focusing on Ghana for, for two reasons. Obviously, the solar irradiation values are really good there, so you get a lot of yield out of a solar system. But also our customers back then were facing really high energy costs of 35, 40 euro cents. So the solar solution basically was saving them up to 50, 60 percent on their energy bill. Um, But we quickly realized that that's actually not just a problem of Ghana, but it's rather a global problem that that many emerging markets are, are facing. And so we stepped into the next market that we knew and had knowledge about as well as partners, which was Kenya. And then over time, over the years, really expanded our footprint because from the very beginning we thought that we wanted to make Ecoligo a global player. So we entered also Latin American countries where we are now active in Chile, Costa Rica, and Panama. We expanded in Africa into uh, Nigeria and Uganda, and we also entered Southeast Asia uh, with Vietnam, Thailand, and now the Philippines as, as markets. And that sounds like a lot, especially when you consider that we were a startup with just a handful of people back then. Yeah. Um, but we, we always knew that if we get one person hired in each country where we are active, that that person can actually move a lot, right? With the right partners, the right motivation. Um, we were able to build up quite significant traction in each of the market. Um, and that's actually part of our business model as well that. We finance the solar systems, but we don't build them ourselves. For that, we hire local, trusted and qualified partners that we work with for many years now. And that allowed us to scale as well, right? Because we don't have to build up the actual capacities in terms of manpower to build two, three, four projects at the same time. We basically just outsource that.
0: So I want to talk about the the two sides of your your business, Um, the the projects that you finance and uh, the capital that you raise, which I, I guess is, is more in, in Western Europe type of markets. So maybe starting with with, with that second piece, are you a fully crowdfunding platform um, or do you have different pockets of capital? Who do you, who do you get capital from and what yeah. kind of return can you expect if you're an investor coming
1: with Equaligo? So um, we basically have initiated the crowdfunding platform Equaligo.investments. And that is at the moment due to the regulation in the financial markets only active in Germany, uh, Austria, and Switzerland, because it's a financial product that we are offering, we're regulated by the German authority, the BaFin. And that basically limits where we can advertise this financial product. But it's, it's really about retail investors. So to date, we have uh, raised almost 30 million Euro from retail investors. Um, always for individual projects, right? So we present an individual project on the platform and then investors can invest directly into that uh, project. On average, they get uh, an interest rate of 5.5% per year. And typical duration of an investment is also four to five years. We have sometimes shorter running investments of two or three years, sometimes a bit longer, like seven or eight years. But usually, They're never matching the contracts that we sign on the project side, but rather it's like a part of an investment. And then after like four or five years, we uh, re-publish the project with the remaining capital to be reinvested in. And we do that to make sure that, you know, it's an attractive product for the retail investors. Uh, At the end of the day, these are people like you and me that invest, you know, maybe just 500 euro, maybe 20,000 euro. But you want to know how fast are you getting your money back, right? And that's much, much more convincing if you can invest in a product where, let's say, after four years, you have your money back plus the interest rate rather than signing up for 20 years. Right. And that's the duration duration of the project contracts that we sign with our customers. So they sign up for a 20-year power purchase agreement.
0: The, the retail investors who invest at five and a half um, sort of expected return, what do you see there, their motivations being? Is, is that purely kind of expected financial return or, or do you also perceive a sort of doing good type of motivation that, that comes into the picture?
1: Around 75% of our retail investors have the impact as their number one motivation to invest. So it's really about the immediate effect of avoiding CO2 emissions in a very concrete and tangible project. I think that's actually one of the key things that differentiates us against an ESG-conform ETF or your articles, uh, 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 seven or eight uh, funds that are set up. Those kind of products are always very vague. You know, they're structured by banks. There is all sorts of stocks in there and you don't really know how much impact you're generating if you're investing in there. And ESG is predominantly a criteria to avoid risk, right? So it's often about a, a fund in which, let's say, oil and gas company are maybe companies are maybe excluded. But it doesn't mean that you're actually doing some real, tangible impact with your investment, and and I think that's really the key for us. Our investors are motivated by the immediate impact they see, and they know and understand is caused with their investment. It obviously doesn't hurt that you know five point five percent used to be a rather good return. I mean, now with higher yes. inflation, we have you know different different topics to address there, but in general, that's pretty good for direct impact investment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Did you ever consider adding institutional investors to your pool of of capital?
1: Yeah, we not only considered it, but actually we um, secured some institutional capital last year. Um, Well, last year and this year. The complexity that we have there is that most of the institutional capital comes with a list of requirements, right? They want you to do ABC, to not do... XYZ uh, to have at least this much volume, you're you're drawing, and they have certain return expectations. They want securities, and to be honest, it's rather complex and time-consuming to get institutional capital. Um, We're talking sometimes, you know, up to 18 months to get, uh, you know, maybe five million of capital secured. But if you think about the the manpower and the efforts you have to put in, it's not scalable. And that's actually, again, one of the key things with our business model that is focusing on retail investors, we can actually solve. We we can scale this up, right? We can just convince more and more investors. And we have already proven in the past that even our investor base to date is exponentially investing more. And they're doing so because we have a 100% repayment on time, 0% default, we, we've fulfilled all our obligations towards them, and that builds up a lot of trust, right? People actually see it's working, and when you see it's working, you obviously reinvest. So to us, the focus going forward is definitely also to scale the retail investor side.
0: What do you, what do you perceive to be the, the biggest bottleneck to growth at the moment on your business? Is it sourcing more capital or is it sourcing more projects?
1: So for many years, especially in the beginning of Ecoligo, it always used to be sourcing more projects because that was difficult. Uh, The cost to build a solar system was still high. We hadn't fully figured out the sales side yet of what is the product that we're offering to these businesses in emerging markets. And we had limited manpower to address it. But nowadays that really, really scaled up uh, much more than we anticipated. So we have uh, secured a lot of projects and now we basically have to scale up the retail investor side again. As of today, that's the bottleneck. But we're very confident to uh, to actually being able to scale that up uh, for two reasons. One, the climate crisis is just becoming more and more uh, a topic of sort of um, everyone, right? Everyone knows about it and more and more people understand about it. And more and more people try to adjust their personal behaviors do sort of their part of reducing emissions, whether it's through reduced meat consumption, whether it's through using bikes instead of cars or public transport, or whether it is to deploy capital into sustainable projects instead of leaving it on your bank, right? Yeah. And I think that's a mega trend, right? Like, you know, just, a, I would say climate crisis awareness is, is sort mm-hmm. of the overarching Topic and the second thing actually, and we've seen this these numbers uh, confirmed uh, over the years, is that the private or retail investor market is actually booming and growing with you know multiple hundred percent year on year, and already is in the size of a few billions in Germany alone. Yeah, and and that is because traditionally also in Germany people were not that much of investors, right? Like people kept their money on a on a savings account and you know all the The cash you had secured you know you better not invest it and risk it that was like a german uh, sort of philosophy and that's changing as well so it's i think i don't know if that's also a mega trend but i think it's just people being aware that you know with their money they can actually do so many things and actively taking control over their capital and using it partly to fight climate change maybe partly also for other things but I think, you know, the the two trends uh, joined together, I think, are quite powerful. So
0: I'd love to switch now to the, let's call it the project deployment part of your your business. So you mentioned earlier that this contract that you sign with your clients is a power purchase agreement. So for, for, you know, listeners out there, maybe not familiar with what that means, could you break it down
1: a little bit more? It basically means that on behalf of the customer, we are building uh, a solar system and the customer does not have to invest any money at all into the system. And Ecoligo actually owns the system, but has signed a 20, sometimes 25 year power purchase agreement with that business. And you can really picture that as the solar system being installed on a roof of the factory of that customer and delivering energy to that customer. And the customer basically commits to buying the energy from the solar system for the next 20 years. That, you know, is super important for two reasons. One, the customer can obviously secure the low cost of the solar energy for the next 20 years and has sort of a plannable uh, forecast of of his own energy cost. Um, the second thing is, as an investor into the solar system, which Equiligo is, we know for sure what we are uh, receiving as revenue over the next twenty years from this customer for this project, and that's make making the um, the investment side also rather um, less risky for the retail investors. Because, you know, we can calculate and estimate quite well how much revenue we make and whether that is enough to cover the uh, interest rate and the returns, uh, as well as the repayments of the retail investors. Got it.
0: So your customers on the project side are companies, right? Um, Businesses that are are committing to purchasing solar energy from you. Can you tell us a bit more about what are the triggers for them to adopt? Um, solar panels. What does this replace and and what is motivating
1: them to to switch? Yeah, I think it's important to first understand who are these customers, right? And we have actually customers from all kinds of industries and business segments. So, uh, for example, in Chile, we have wineries. In Costa Rica, we have your eco-lodges or, or hotels. We have uh, big textile manufacturers in Vietnam that supply the big sport brands uh, internationally. We have manufacturers of spare parts for cars and engines. There's really like a, a big variety of our customers. So the question comes up, you know, what what's actually uniting them and what's the motivation for all of them to sign up for such a contract? For them, it's two reasons. One is obviously to save cost. Typically, with the solar system, we are replacing anything between 20 to 60% of their energy consumption. That means they still consume energy from the national grid, from the utility and pay a high cost to them. But for up to 60%, they're paying much less to Ecoligo for uh, getting the, the solar energy. And overall, that basically means their energy bill goes down by roughly 30%. So that's advantageous for them because it helps them to grow the business and doing so in a sustainable way. But what's actually more important and becoming also more and more important is really the motivation to become CO2 emission free. So when we talk about the global emissions, there are these scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. And basically, scope three is for a manufacturer of products in Europe, basically going down all the way to the supply chain, to all of the manufacturers of maybe parts of, you know, the shoe or whatever they produce. And a lot of our customers are basically such companies. They're producing some component of a different product that is sold by by larger international uh, oriented brands and companies. And because we demand the supply chain to be CO2 emission free, they basically know that if they don't adjust and change their production to be CO2 emission free in the next years, they will basically lose out these big contracts of the large international brands. So it's really customer behavior that is, you know, forcing them to, to move. The same is actually true for the wineries and the, the eco lodges, right? You cannot be an eco lodge if you don't produce your own sustainable energy. And rather use dirty uh, grid electricity. And if you're a winery and you want to produce, you know, high class uh, wine and address a certain target audience with your product, they demand that you are sustainable, right? Um, yeah. So it's it's often really just our consumer behavior that has these effects that five years ago we didn't see in the market. Yeah, it's it's really in the last year or two that the companies in these markets are, are changing and adjusting to this.
0: So you, you mentioned they can reduce their energy bill by, you say, a factor of basically take it down by 30%. Um, I guess that's a function of you know, the cost of, of capital that, that you charge them. How would that change if you had to, let's say, increase your you know, delivered return to retail investors to, let's say, 10%? Would you still be competitive on the on, yes. on your project
1: side? The the, the short answer is yes. Okay. The, the, the long answer is a, is a bit more complex, but you actually uh, mentioned a really interesting point. So there there's three key numbers to have in mind when we think about the project business. One is obviously how much are the customers paying right now for the electricity? That's sort of the baseline. We have to be cheaper than that. And then when we think about the solar system, there's two things that play a major role. One... What is the capital expense to build the project? So really how much you spend once off to, to build it. And secondly, like you pointed out, if I have a finance project over 20 years, what is the cost of capital? Because that is a key thing as well. And we can you know compare it for all the listeners that you know may not be familiar with it with your mortgage for a house, right? Yeah. The lower the interest on the mortgage, um, the less you have to pay month for month. And so if you rent it out. Uh, that house can be profitable um, and you make a positive cash flow. But if interest rates are too high, you're basically not getting to that point. So cost of capital is really important. What we are seeing though is is also three mega trends that are true in all of the markets we're in. First, the utility energy cost is rising and it has uh, been rising the last 20 years and it will rise the next 10-20 years. The reason for that is most utilities have a big backlog of investing in grid, infrastructure, you know, generation plants and electricity demands in all of the emerging markets are growing. So they have to keep up investing. So that means our price point as of today that we need to be cheaper in comparison to will actually become more um, costly in in the future. The second thing is the cost to build a solar system is actually going downwards. and while that has been stagnant a little bit during the corona crisis in general that trend persists and continues to uh to happen in the future meaning we can build um same quality systems at lower cost going forward and then the last item and this is uh, the interesting one we see that you know with inflation uh going up uh, that that you know investors are also looking for um higher returns so that basically in a a comparison, they they still make a net return on their investment. So basically your investment must be higher in terms of return than your um, inflation. That is true in the traditional financial markets. But when we talk about impact investing, the key motivation for people is to generate impact and not necessarily to generate the highest returns.
0: Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we
1: actually noticed this year, and in Germany, inflation rose uh, to to six or seven percent in around March, April, and then even a bit higher. And now we saw a little bit of a decline from ten point four to ten point two or something like last week. But in principle, it's it's still high. You know, it's let's say on average, to simplify numbers, it's ten percent. You would think people don't invest anymore in our projects if they get five percent return. Yeah, but they still do. And, and that's super interesting uh, to know and understand is yes, there is a, a risk that at some point, you know, in the future, also if inflation even goes further, you'd have to increase interest rate to keep people motivated. We also know that if we issue a project here and there with a higher interest rate, retail investors like it more, obviously, right? If you have two sure. projects to choose from, one is five, one is seven, you invest in one with uh, 7%. Yeah, but I think, but I think it's possible to decouple um, the, the the capital from the return expectation. In case we can't, the projects, however, still have enough room. So even if the the retail investors' uh, demand would go up to higher interest rates, the projects can serve that higher interest rate. We can cover those capital costs, and that's also why I think you know for the next five years there's no limit to where we can scale because the business model in itself still functions.
0: Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned on your website, um, solar as a service, which I think alludes to a broader set of pain points that, that you help your, your, your customers with be beyond the, the financial challenges. So, so can, you, can you talk a bit about what does it mean, solar as a service, as you, as you, as you deliver it to your, to your customers?
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually, it um, contains a few more elements um, and it addresses really, like you said, pain points of the customers. So the first one, for example, is the customer is not an expert on solar systems, inverters, modules, designs and so on. So oftentimes, even if they would have the opportunity to invest in a solar system, they can't really judge the different offers they have from different solar companies. So we basically um, do that on behalf of the customer and work with qualified um, partners that we have run through a qualification process and that are building actually to our standards, to our technical design standards, safety standards, and so on and so on. So basically we're de-risking the project from a technical perspective for the customer. And then when we think about the 20 year duration of the power purchase agreement, customers actually are afraid to having to deal with spare parts, replacements, repairs, mm-hmm. uh, what to do if they maybe upgrade their factory line and, and you know how to integrate it then and so on. So basically we take care of that and we have in our contracts, um, terms that guarantee the customer that doesn't matter what happens to the solar system, whether it's a broken module, A inverter that has stopped working, or maybe just a fuse that blows up. We take care of the operation and maintenance of the system for the 20 years. And that's part uh, of our package. So it's included in the price. And the customer really only ever has to pay if let's say he's at fault. So let's say his forklift driver backs up, crashes into like uh, the solar system. Okay, then it was obvious, right? It's not our fault. We don't have to, to, uh, to deal with it, but the customer has. But we still take care. It's just, you know, who actually has to pay for it. And then lastly, uh, all our service comes with um, an asset on risk insurance that we provide with uh, Allianz, a global insurance company, basically covering all possible risks of uh, fire, uh, damage by storms or weather to the solar system. So that really also, you know, if something severe happens, We are insured, you know, customers are insured, um, and we can basically build up from there. So it's really a hassle-free solution for the customer, and especially the part that we were talking about earlier, that we actually bring the capital with, uh, is really what, what motivates customers, right? They know how difficult banks are to deal with, and you know, how complex it can be and they would even have to put in their own money to get the bank loan and so on. So, you know, that's part of our package as well.
0: You mentioned earlier that in the, in the earlier years of your company, you had to basically figure out the sales cycle and the sales model. What are, what are the effective ways that you market your solution in, in, uh, in the countries where you have projects?
1: Yeah, we have basically a three main sales channels. One is the direct B2B sales. So really our people cold calling uh, possible customers that are maybe having a factory in an industrial park or maybe running a hotel chain and so on and presenting our solution, convincing them to sign up a a contract. That's making up around 50% of of the total sales, or let's say 40% of the total sales. And then Another 40% is coming from our qualified partners. Mm -hmm. So these are partners that are building the solar systems and traditionally they have basically sold them to customers. And now if a customer comes to them and says, I'm interested, but I need financing. They basically bring those customers to us and we work together. They can build the project. We finance it and the customer gets the solution that that they want. And that's making up another 40% of the, of the business. And then the remaining twenty percent is basically customers reaching out directly to us. So these are usually very progressive customers that I have already thought about solar. They know that they have to do something, they do some internet research, and they find us being active in their country, and then they reach out actively to to get a quotation. Yeah. Yeah. Um that's really how the business works.
0: Martin, you recently announced um an investment round, can you tell us a bit more about what you intend to deploy the funds to?
1: Yeah, we actually secured 10 million euro investment in our Series A um, in the middle of this year. And the capital is really used for the growth of the company. So it will actually not be deployed in any of the projects, but rather on the three pillars of the business. One being sales, right? So Basically hiring new people in new markets, focusing on consolidation of existing markets and making sure that our market position, which is actually leading in many of the markets we are in, to really you know, strengthen that position. The second pillar is to build up the professional governance structures in the company that we do need for being a globally active player that is dealing with tens of millions of retail investor capital. Yeah, And um, we obviously have those structures, but we want to take them to the next level and want to be best in class uh, with all elements of, of governance and, and due diligence in, in all elements of the business. And the third pillar is really our core technology, which is um, an, an ERP system that we have built uh, in-house that is tailor-made to our business model. And is actually capturing the value chain from the first point that we deal with the customer all the way after 20 years until an asset is handed over to the customer. All steps in between, whether it's sales, project management, the fundraising part, the construction part, or then the management of the asset is basically digitalized Mm -hmm. and automated to the greatest extent. And this is actually uh, needed because already as of today, we're talking hundreds of projects. We have signed 180 projects to date. Uh, We're planning to double that number in the next year. And so when you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of projects that are in nature, however, very similar, right? Of course, every customer is different, but the steps you go through with each project is is similar. You have the opportunity to um, to automate and digitalize as much as possible, and thereby scaling without having to linearly scale up your staff uh, for the business. And that's really the biggest part of that investment is going into the software.
0: Got it. Martin, we're almost out of time, so I want to ask you the the final question, um, which is how do you make money in all of this?
1: We basically make money on the side of the projects. We sell the electricity to the customers and uh, out of that money that we make that's the revenue we cover all the operational expenses of the project repairs maintenance insurance all of these items i mentioned before we pay back the retail investors with their return and what's left is basically our gross margin as as Ego Ego. so really from a business model perspective we are an energy company we're selling energy and that's that's how we make money
0: Got it. Martin, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation covering you know, a, such a, a wide geographical range. I think that's one of the exciting things about your business is, is you have market realities in, in Germany, Austria, Switzerland to, to deal with. And then you have market realities in, in uh, Ghana, Chile and the other countries you mentioned. And uh, you're bringing those two together. I think it's, it's, uh, it's a really interesting company and I look forward to following your journey.
1: Thanks. We also think that's the exciting part about Ecoligo.
0: Thanks, Martin. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nathan. Bye-bye. You can find out more about Ecoligo on their website, ecoligo.com. If you're inspired by their mission, check out their career page for their job openings. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for more insightful conversations with other inspiring climate tech founders.